Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 42. Well, hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's been a minute. It's so great to be back with you for a new season, season three of The Healing Catalyst. Now, I'll be honest, when I first started this podcast back in 2020, I had intended to do maybe 25 or 35 episodes to create a library of resources for all of you. And at the end of last year, I was well over 40 episodes and wasn't sure if I should really continue doing the podcast. But the number of messages that I've received from all of you in January and February asking me, when's the podcast coming back or telling me how much you enjoy it and sharing how much it's helped you. Well, you all made my decision for me. I had to continue it because this, this is why I do what I do to help all of you on your healing journeys. And so here we are starting season three. And so my team, well, we used the break in January and February to refresh everything. We have a new look, a new sound, which I hope you love as much as we do. And we're moving to a weekly show. Me and my team are so excited about this season because we're bringing you conversations that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Conversations with my mentors, my colleagues, my friends, and so many people that I admire. People who are thought leaders and experts in every field of Eastern healing systems and integrated medicine. And we're also adding a few new formats to the podcast. I'll still be doing my solo episodes and guest interviews, but I'm also adding trio conversations where I'll be joined by two different guests to weigh in with their perspectives on a single topic. I'll also be doing an Ask Me Anything episode every single month. And so if you'd like to be on the show to ask your question, click the link in the show notes and you can leave me a voice message with your question. I'll be personally reviewing every question and who knows, you might be on my first Ask Me Anything episode in April. So make sure you get your question into me. Okay, so let's dive into today's episode, which kicks off season three and kicks off the intention for this month, movement as medicine. And of course, the first two people that I thought of to talk about movement as medicine are my sweet friend, Tara Stiles, and her partner in life and work, Michael Taylor. Now, this was supposed to be a trio conversation with all three of us, but there was so, so much to talk about that we ended up splitting it into two episodes. So today is part one in which Michael and I talk about Tai Chi. And next week will be part two with Tara to talk about yoga. And I have to tell you, I was so excited to talk to Mike about Tai Chi because not only is he an expert in the field, but he's a gifted teacher who has this incredibly beautiful way of teaching us how to move, how to use movement as medicine. Now, a little bit about Mike. Mike is the co-founder of Strala Yoga and has practiced Eastern movement and healing techniques, including Tai Chi, Qigong, 
and shiatsu for more than three decades. In his younger years, Mike challenged centuries of martial traditions in hundreds of competitions by applying unruly imagination to a world where rules were unbreakable. He continued on to medical applications of the mind-body connection, studying mind-body medicine at Harvard and alternative medicine and psychology at Oxford. Mike then worked in healthcare, joined a web company, founded a pharmaceutical and biotech software company, and then found his way back to healthcare done right, helping people let go of stress in their bodies and minds to become their own best caregivers. Mike also climbs a few mountains here and there in his spare time. I mean, he has so much spare time, right? No, not really. And he's married to Strala co-founders, Tara Stiles. In my conversation with Mike, he tells us about growing up with Tai Chi as a way of being in his body and moving through the world. We talk about the concepts of softness and ease and how we need to learn them in a different way. Mike also explains the differences among the various martial arts and dives deep into the four-step process of using Tai Chi in our everyday and how to access the medicine of Tai Chi. It's a fascinating conversation that will leave you with so many profound learnings about how you move in your body and through the world. I hope you enjoy part one of this two-part episode, my conversation with Michael Taylor about Tai Chi and movement as medicine. Well, hello, Mike. How are you? Everything's good. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this for me. I feel like I coordinated this through Tara, but thank you for saying yes. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you. No problem. Everything goes through Tara. She's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I am so excited to talk about Tai Chi, which is your expertise and something you've been doing for so many years. I'm so fascinated by Tai Chi. I don't know enough about it. And I think that it is such a profound healing modality. And so we'll get all into it. But, you know, I really wanted to focus in this month in the third season of the podcast to talk about movement as medicine. And I know that Tai Chi is so much more than movement, which I know we'll get into. But before we jump into Tai Chi, you know, I'm really curious, how did you get into Tai Chi? I've read a little bit about you. I did some research. Of course, I do that on everybody. And I, I've heard or read that your father and your grandfather did Tai Chi and that's how you got into it. But can you tell us more about that journey? Oh, sure. Uh, well, I had weird parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, I was homeschooled uh, in my early years. And I, I think, um, you know, often when I hear from people about, oh, be, be careful about homeschooling because you'll miss this, this, and, and that. Like, you're right. I did miss that, <laughs> you know? But then also there are, you gain this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> so I think one of the things I gained was, uh, uh, maybe having a broader curriculum and more opportunity starting when I was very young to just go in whatever direction. And yeah, you're right. Back then the direction that was most appealing was, I just thought my grandfather was awesome. <laughs> you know, he was this 
Navy captain who had a, a long career uh, with the Navy. And uh, uh, I just wanted to know everything that he knew. And my, you know, my dad also was helping along the way with that. Uh, and um, I, I think that's how it all began and grew for the first many years. And so why Tai Chi? I mean, was it something that they had practiced? Like, where did that come from? Sure. Well, I would say when I was a kid, if I was learning Tai Chi, I didn't know it. So uh, the ways in which I learned Tai Chi were, okay, there are some really good foundations for how to use your whole body to your advantage. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't huge still not the, the biggest person in any sport that I've played, uh, but learning to use every part of me helping every other part became uh, a big focus and kind of without knowing it, that would be a, another way, maybe a Western way of describing harmony, uh, a word you'll hear a lot in Tai Chi and Qigong. So without knowing it, I was learning the foundations for how to navigate through uh, you know, pretty much everything uh, in a Tai Chi way. And uh, you know, that, that was, um, I think, a, I wouldn't say it was a sneaky way of learning Tai Chi, but I think when I was a kid and most kids I've seen, they're probably more interested in learning Kung Fu <laughs> or uh, you know, the things that they see on TV uh, in the movies. And the things that there are usually classes for, for kids that are a bit more active, a bit more athletic seeming, at least from the outset. And so I think if, if I had been shown a, a group of people all moving very slowly in a field, the, that image we all have of, oh, Tai Chi, I need this. Uh, I had seen that when I was eight. I was like, that's the most boring thing I've ever seen. I want to kick and punch and run. And so uh, I think the way that I first was getting into these foundations was, okay, whatever you want to do, here's a way to make it better. And so was that something that your grandfather practiced or your father practiced? Like, I'm so curious how it's such a unique way of thinking about things. Um, and at such a young age or to be taught that way, that's coming from somewhere. So tell me about that. Sure. And, and yes, <laughs> just, yeah. I just got lucky. Had the right relatives and the right friends along the way. Mm -hmm. And so they had already been practicing Tai Chi. And so they just basically passed it down to you. Pretty much. And I, you know, I'd say I I've learned with different people, uh, in different decades, as, as you said before, that this has been a long road. Mm -hmm. Uh, and with some of those people, uh, Tai Chi or Qigong or Gong Fu were more, um, Hey, these are the foundations, which actually oftentimes we say Tai Chi, Tai Chi is 800 years old, give or take, uh, Qigong is more than 5,000 years in the making. And so often when we talk about the foundations for how to move and how to navigate around relationships with yourself and relationships and connections with other people that didn't originate in Tai Chi it originated in Qigong and then Tai Chi bringing in martial and healing applications are very much uh, on both ends, building off of uh, what was developed for a much longer period with Qigong. So, 
I would say a lot of the people that I was learning from along the way weren't necessarily saying, and now we're going to practice Tai Chi, but they had found ways to have Qigong and Tai Chi in their own lives with what they were doing, uh, with a focus first on these foundations, these constants for practice, and then carrying it into, oh, well, here's what makes it relevant for you. That, that's really what I was interested in. I, I wanted to climb better. I wanted to play soccer better. Later on, I wanted to row better and I got into mountaineering. So whatever I was doing, what was nice about from a very early age, I wasn't learning, say if, if kids are often learning uh, Japanese karate uh, or they're learning Kung Fu, uh, Chinese art, uh, they might often focus in classrooms on learning uh, drills and forms and sequences of forms that are set. And uh, learning that, it often happens that it's hard to say, well, how, how does that then apply to the rest of my life? Or am I only doing that when I'm in my Kung Fu room or in my karate room? Uh, and at the same time in Tai Chi and Qigong, there's this constant philosophy, which is no separation. Learn nothing that is separate from everything mm -hmm. else. And so I was just lucky to learn that way first. So when I found my way into this room or that, that special room, uh, I, uh, I didn't have it ever stay in that room. It always went everywhere. That's just, I mean, it's so amazing because I, how incredibly lucky are you that you first of all had that, <laughs> that training or that sort of exposure from a very young age of uh, learning these foundations in a way that are actually applicable to life. Because I find that so much of what we do in the Western world and Western culture is very siloed. You know, you do this for this, you do this for this, you do this for this, but it's never integrated into your entire life and how you live your life and how you exist in your physical form or within yourself and your system. It's amazing that you had that experience. And so Maybe let's back up and talk about the differences between Tai Chi and, and Qigong, but even, you know, some of the, what you mean by foundations, like educate us on, on what all these different terms mean and what, what the differences are. Sure. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at asking the good questions. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Learning Tai Chi and Qigong, I'll just keep saying Tai Chi, although often Qigong is really the, the bigger term that refers to all of it, but I think more people know about Tai Chi. So mm -hmm. it, it may be that's the, the great main term to use for now. But there's a process for this, which uh, begins with noticing, hey, what's going on in me? Uh, what's going on around me? But really first, what's going on in me? got to see that first. I've got to feel that. I've got to notice the communication signals, messages my body's sending. And there's a how-to for that in Tai Chi and Qigong. And then uh, the next part of this process is, well, how do, I, how do I move with that? How do I navigate through what I'm doing? I'm taking what I'm noticing now, and I want to move with it in a good way. And so there are foundations. There's a how-to of moving, as you already said. Uh, and Moving is not just uh, in a set of Tai Chi or Qigong forms that has many contexts. So it's 
in every context, whether it's everyday human life, getting around a kitchen or driving or standing in line at the grocery store or sort of special things that we all like to do, like, you know, uh, one person might love CrossFit or high intensity interval training. Another person like me might love high altitude mountaineering, whatever the sort of human things that we love doing, the special practices, there's a how-to for that context too. And then there's specific Qigong and Tai Chi practices that you practice on your own and also in connection with other people. And then there's martial and healing applications. So there's many contexts for this movement. And then the third part of this process is you're hearing the messages, the signals. You're connected to the signals that your body is sending you and your environment is, is giving you. You're moving in, in a way that's harmonious, that's helpful for you there. And that signal plus movement leads to a transformation. Somehow you're making here better, and you're also making it better to be here. And I know that sounds like a bit of double talk, <laughs> but they're two, it's kind of cool. They're two really little bit different things. I could tell, uh, you know, just, just through your, uh, your body language, I, I can see you like, yes, I get it. Yes. You know, so I hope that yes. makes some sense. Yes. And then the last part of that process is repeat because we're never done <laughs> with that. And it's, it's never a binary. Oh, well, I'm hearing all the messages and I'm moving wonderfully and transforming wonderfully, or I'm not. We're always somewhere in a circle there. Okay. So, so many profound things that you said just now. Let's go back to this. Okay. So let's take this theory that you've just presented, which is beautiful and profound, and let's make it more applicable. So tell me what that means. So give us an example so that it becomes more practical for me and for my listeners who don't know enough about Tai Chi to really understand what you're talking about. This is awesome. You sound like Tara, like, so, <laughs> so what, Mike? <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yes, each one of those categories in, in the process, the notice, the move, the transform, repeat has a set of how to's that you'll find in Qigong and they're big. Uh, it's a big set, but always there's really simple beginnings. So the noticing, uh, we all have our own ways of, of hearing the messages our body sends to us. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a, a little story back when I was doing, uh, long before I met Tara, I was in deep in a few different yoga systems. And so we'd sit there, we'd sit down cross-legged, fire up our best mudra and, you know, get the posture and everything and <laughs> rock steady. And you know, your, your ankle would start to hurt or my knee would be hip. Um, but eventually those, those sensations would go away right? I wouldn't feel it anymore. And so, uh, you know, talking about these experiences, it's like, oh, you've transcended my, you know, that's what the, <laughs> the guru in charge would tell me. Oh, you've transcended because you are not this body. You are not those messages. You have now progress to a, a higher state, the, your true state. And of course, for you with your medical background and, and anybody who's studied a little biology, uh, you're, that's not transcendence. That's just when you ignore uh, pain in your body, that loop start, stops firing eventually. You know, it's your body in normal language. It's, 
oh, you're not interested in that message. Okay, I'll stop sending it for now. Mm-hmm. Until the imminence of a greater level of harm presents itself, and then I'll come back and try again. Exactly. Uh, this is your body talking to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, that's the beginning of noticing in Tai Chi and Qigong. It's okay. There are all these signals, all these ways of communicating that your body has with you, some of which we may have ignored for a long time, some of which we may not be in tune with as much as we like. And, and that begins with just slowing down enough that I have a chance to breathe a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the most silly, simple thing in the world. But remembering to do that Remembering to breathe a little longer and a little deeper on your inhale. Use that to feel around a little more because a deeper inhale is unusual. So you will feel a little more with that breath. And then on your even longer, even more unhurried exhale than usual, let a little something go. Release a little, relax a little, improve something a little. Improve your position, your posture, the way you're sitting now. Your ankle hurts, change it. There's a constant in Tai Chi, which is never suffer a bad position. We're not here to practice suffering. We don't need to be better at suffering. We're too good at that already. We're too good at ignoring the messages that come through our body saying, don't do that. They're like, well, I can do that. I'm strong enough to do that. I can push through just to get that done. And then I'll listen. Well, I can tell you from my my transcendence experience before, (laughs) that path doesn't work so well. Uh, So the very beginning in this process of Tai Chi to make it concrete is creating a relationship between your breath and your body that moves you. And I'll tell you, there's a step before that. It's called softness. So this noticing is softness and relationship between your breath and body that moves you, helps you feel, notice. Softness is a big concept. Mm-hmm. And every time we talk about this concept, uh, so often people say, well, but I don't want to be soft. <laughs> that sounds bad. It sounds weak. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know. There is this concept, softness is, it's being a pushover, somehow not standing up for what you want or going for what you want or what you believe in. And uh, so it's a word that needs to be learned in a different way. And sometimes people when traveling around with Tara, people will say, well, in German, there isn't a good word for that. Or in Spanish, there's not a, you know, or whatever language, because with us, it, it means a not so good thing. And Really, in all the languages, there's always this challenge of, well, how do we understand? And maybe it's not with one word. So softness in a Tai Chi or Qigong context means bendable without always bending, movable without always moving. It means that I'm not so rigid that I get in the way of myself. And you can interpret that and use it literally. I'm not holding tension and locked up muscles and flex muscles and locked up joints that prevent me from moving even before I try to move. And then it's also figurative. It's I'm not locked in my mind so that I'm immovable. 
Uh, you want to be movable so you can mm -hmm. be moved. My mind is exploding, by the way. Just want you to know, like my brain is exploding. So keep going. Anyway, I, I'm listening. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Okay. It's a big practice, right? It's, it's a big practice. And, you know, what I'd say is, so there are these, there's softness, there's practices for softness in mm -hmm. Qigong and Tai Chi. There's practices for creating this relationship between your breath and your body in Qigong and Tai Chi. Even when the concepts are mind blowing. And even when I, I, sometimes I'll take these concepts and I'll be like, what was I doing for like 10 years <laughs> or longer? <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to say to you the real number that came to my mind. Uh, it was longer than 10 years, but you know, it's so even when it's mind blowing and even mind blowing positively, it's like, wow, well, what about the next 10 years? Right. What's beautiful about the mind blowing in these concepts is the practices are simple. Yes, they are. So if you've ever taken a sharp inhale when you're surprised, guess what that sharp inhale did? It lifted your whole body as a whole body. Or when things aren't dangerous and you just, you just need to relax. Mm -hmm. You've gone, ah. guess what happened to your whole body when you did that like a human being? Instead of how I was taught to practice in some rooms, your whole body would move together with your breath. There would be no part of you that was rigidly separate or holding some idealized form or position. As a human being, when we take breaths that way, inhales that way, exhales that way, when we jump up and down when we're cold uh, right. or we need to wake up, uh, all of those things are done with these foundations of, of Qigong, a relationship between your, between your breath and your body that moves you, a body that's soft enough in the first place to be movable, a body that moves in harmony is one whole body, not a disconnected collection of parts that need to be individually fixed or manipulated. All of these things are in our biology. They're in our nature. We might have ignored that nature for a long time. Right. And so what you're saying is, is very interesting because that is actually our human nature to move in that way, right? To have that startle response, right? Or to have that relaxation response. But it is drummed out of us as we get older, you know, in this modern world that we live in to not allow ourselves to respond in that way, to have that coordinated breath body movement um, that you're describing. That's, that's what's coming to mind for me because I can see little children, you know, your daughter, my children, when they were younger, even as young adults, they still actually have more of a practice and ability to tap into their breath and their body more than I do as a 50 year old. Right. Um, so I, I see what you're saying exactly. And so it's almost like it's a practice of being human, right? I love it. <laughs> you're ready to go on tour. Yeah. So that's a step. That's the first step, right? This idea of awareness, right? And so what's the second step for this concrete sort of application of Tai Chi? So then there are foundations for movement. Hmm. And the first two are part of the noticing, the softness and relationship between your breath and your body that moves you. And then as small movements lead to bigger movements, you're moving your whole body from your center not mm. from your extremities. So you don't move an isolated hand or foot, arm or leg. 
large movements begin from your center and then ripple out through the rest of you. If you take a rope and you kind of just hang it, suspend it from one end, and then you jiggle the rope, you'll see a sine wave develop down that rope. You'll see ripples go down that rope. And then if you take your, your hand and you clench it around the middle of the rope, you've created a block in the rope. So there's a bit of rope above your hand and a bit of rope below your hand. Uh, let's say I'm doing that with my left hand. And with my right hand, I'm holding the top of the rope. And I start to make that jiggle of the top of the rope, but my other hand is in the middle of the rope. That wave will only go down to my hand that's blocked the rope. Right. And then below that hand, no wiggle. <laughs> There's right. no wave propagation. This is high school physics. So what you want in Qigong and Tai Chi, and maybe as a human being, when you start your effort from one place, you don't want to have a bunch of blocks of wave propagation in your body. You want the effort that you put into one place to easily propagate through all the places. And so that's when Tai Chi and Qigong talk about moving from your center and moving your whole body as one whole body. That's what's meant by that. You start in your center, you let those, the energy of the movement of your center propagate out through the rest of you. It's a very sustainable and non-injurious way to move. Then there are a number of other foundations. There are everyday human foundations, like uh, using momentum or opposites, going a little left to go right, back to go forward, up to go down. Uh, there's um, uh, compress and release or open door, closed door. So you, you give some effort and then you relax. You give some effort and then you relax. So in Tai Chi, every single breath is in that circle. So Tai Chi never has this concept of, oh, relaxing's for later, relaxing's for vacation. You know, push through, get it done. We'll talk about that thing later. Every single breath, every single circle in Tai Chi is you're giving some energy to yourself and what's around you, the connections you have around you. And then every exhale is releasing, relaxing, letting go. Even if you're in the middle of a challenge, even if you're in the middle of a conflict, there's always that. Right. So there are foundations for just human everyday things. And then there are foundations for how to move through more specialized contexts. Uh, like uh, in Tai Chi, there's this practice called unweighting, where uh, as you move, for, you shift your weight, you're standing, you're shifting your weight from one leg to another. Uh, the leg that's holding the weight, it's active. The leg that's not holding your weight is completely releasing, relaxing, letting go. And if you do that movement by initiating the move from one leg to another from your center, you're pulling the weight out of one leg at a time. That's called unweighting. It means that half of you is resting, at least half of you, all the time, even when you're doing tough stuff. And I said that this is very important in a martial context or in a Tai Chi context, but as I think about it, often you'll, you might learn it first in, in that context when you're studying Tai Chi. But, uh, you know, Tara brought me into working with the U.S. tennis team. And this concept of unweighting one leg at a time and moving uh, from one leg to another from your center rather than shoving with your right leg to get to your left and then shoving with your left leg to get to your right. What we found was 
oh, wow, I can move into, a, into getting the ball ahead of me into my left leg. If I'm sitting back on my right leg, I can move at least as fast when I'm moving from my center and relax one of my legs in a way that I never could if I was using a lunging, a pushing from leg to leg, which prevents that half of me relaxing. So the applications across anything you're doing, I can tell you uh, high altitude mountaineering, if you're not using unweighting, if you're not moving from leg to leg from your center, if you're push, 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 right. you are not going to make it back down that mountain. Right. So that's the second step is the movement. So first was awareness. Second was movement. Third is. So yeah, there are, num there are many foundations uh, for movement both everyday human and that have a specific Tai Chi and Qigong context for practice. And then this third uh, part of the process is, is making better, transforming the relationship you have with yourself and the relationship you have with what's around you, whether it's the environment or, or the, the people you're connected with, uh, into something better. And so Tai Chi says, never suffer a bad position. Always improve the relationship you have to what's around you to be making it into something better, first by noticing it, second by using these foundations for movement, and then uh, third for making sure that you're using those foundations to create this transformation. A little story there, uh, we were, Tara and I, part of a conference with a few doctors. Uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk was, was one of them. Uh, who's done quite a lot of uh, research and work with trauma. Trauma, yeah. And I, I know that you know who he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he mentioned uh, loving Qigong uh, for uh, its transformational ability. And he mentioned doing some yoga and noticing it was very awkward and very uncomfortable for him. But what he imagined was beneficial for trauma was sometimes... Uh, when we have the biological impact of trauma stuck in our bodies, we lose the, a sense of time, he said. We mm -hmm. lose the sense of this too shall pass. And we're stuck in an intolerable neurological and chemical state as if it never passed, as mm -hmm. if the initiation of the trauma never passed. So he said with yoga, he said, I could imagine that being in this really awkward, uncomfortable place, and then having the teacher count to five and then having it be over and then doing the next awkward and uncomfortable place and having it be over, he thought, well, you're getting a sense of this too shall pass. And I think resetting the clock is very valuable in that way. But Qigong, wow. Here's a practice that says never suffer a bad position. Here's a practice that says if something isn't comfortable, isn't working, is causing suffering, is intolerable, change it. And here's how. That's big. That's mm -hmm. this transformation part. You're always using these practices to make where you are better. In a big picture, not just for you, but there's no, there are no lines in Tai Chi. One of the constants with Tai Chi is every line you turn into a circle. Never meet force with opposing force. Uh, it's never just you. It's always everything that's going on around you. Everything is here for you. When you see it, 
and you work with it in a sustainable way. Uh, so I think that's a big part of what I love about Qigong and Tai Chi and also why uh, you know, Tara and I together uh, in transforming yoga brought these foundations for moving uh, this process of noticing, moving and transforming into a really wonderful set of forms, but that at least the way I was learning it for 15, 20 years said, suffer a bad position. The truth of existence is suffering. Let's get better at suffering. Mm -hmm. And from a medical perspective, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. It's not what we want to do. No, because we're just putting ourselves into more chronic stress response, which just, exactly. you know, it has every physiological, you know, manifestation. It's sort of like a domino effect that happens from there. So, so what you're saying with this idea of transformation of never suffer a bad position is when you have, you have that awareness, you, you, you have the movements, the foundations for movement from the middle and all these different concepts that you've talked about. But then to basically the transformation piece is adjusting. So even if that movement, if it causes suffering, you adjust it and then you start back again. Is that, is that sort of what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you're always seeing what you're doing and, and there's a, there's a measure. There's a, uh, is this working? Mm -hmm. You're making me think about this in a new way, which is really cool. It's, it's, is this working? And it, it right. makes me think of my dad. He was a MIT PhD uh, in math. And mm -hmm. the way he picked the field of math that he would uh, study is at the time, it was the, the, the field of math that was considered completely impossible. So that's the one he wanted to do. Uh, and he always said, oh, that's fine. But what, what I love about math, there are elegant ways to do, uh, to do what you're doing in less elegant ways, but there's a right or wrong. There's a feedback that you get that says this is working or this isn't. And that's a, a beauty also with uh, these martial and healing arts that we're talking about with Tai Chi and Qigong. You get immediate feedback of this is working or this isn't, especially as you carry what you're doing in connection with another person. And that can be very hard. I know it was hard for me going through uh, my earlier yoga experiences of knowing Okay, well, is that how a triangle is supposed to look? Right. Why? You know, I don't, there's no immediate feedback other than what the teacher is saying. Um, is that how a warrior two is, is that alignment? Uh, you know, getting into a warrior two and then fixing one part at a time until all these individual parts look like they're in the right place. Uh, it seemed a little bit what my dad would call an English paper. <laughs> you know, it's well, I guess the teacher is going to tell me if that's good or not, but he never liked English very much, you know, mm -hmm. and he loved math. And I think what's beautiful in, in Qigong and Tai Chi, you can practice all of this on your own. But when you carry this into connection with another person, you get immediate learning feedback about what actually works and what doesn't. So, talk to me about that. What you mean by that when of of the feedback from another person. So when you come into connection with another person, if I come in quite rigid, if I come in uh, using uh, the strength of my arm or the strength of a leg to, to make this connection, if, 
I'm not coming in with my whole body soft, my whole body movable so I can be moved, my whole body in harmony so it can move first me in harmony with myself and then me forming a harmonious connection with another person. Uh, well, first of all, you'll feel that. And it's very hard. If, if I come in quite rigid and tough, the person opposite me, when, when we connect with each other hand to hand or arm to arm, elbow to elbow, very hard not to mirror that. So if I'm rigid and tense, then you've got another person who's rigid and tense. And then we have a, a isolated strength competition. If my leg is stronger or my arm is stronger, plus I know a trick, you know, that's what that connection becomes. And in Tai Chi, Qigong, that's considered the least interesting of contests you could possibly have. <laughs> because the biggest challenges that are available to us are, are not the ones that uh, can be approached or one in a limited version of ourselves and isolate, disconnect, or depleting non-sustainable version, because no matter how strong your, your leg or your arm is, or whatever strongest part you're relying on, it's not as strong as all of you. And that's a depleting strategy. And then from there, you try to start moving with another person in connection you're going to feel right away the difference between moving well and not. And then as you carry this into a martial context, uh, as, as my teacher for many decades said, Mike, you're going to get your butt kicked doing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So the immediate feedback is it just doesn't work. And in Tai Chi, if there's any rule in open uh, connection or competition, it's you're preventing the other person first from hurting themselves. That's the one rule if there's one rule. So this isn't about butt kicking. It's about learning how to use these foundations consistently in any context. So you have them consistently in any context. But when you practice them in a martial context in Tai Chi, you get this immediate feedback from another body about what works and what doesn't. Am I disconnecting? Am I just trying to do something to you with my arm? Or is it all of me that's connecting with you? Am I getting tired in one leg? Ooh, if I'm getting tired in one part of me faster than the other part, I don't have harmony. I'm using isolation and disconnection rather than all of me, every part of me helping every other part of me equally, equally in on the party. So as you learn these foundations and you learn how to notice and work with the messages your body sends you, you will feel and see, especially in your connections with other people, and then also in your own practice, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And so what's so fascinating about what you're saying is that it moves beyond the, the realm of physical connection with another human being. It's also emotional, spiritual, energetic connection with others, because for example, you and I are on Zoom right now doing this podcast, right? And we have our video on. And if I had come in to, I've never met you before in person. Can't, if I came into this interview with a very rigid energy, right? With, a, with not a soft energy, with not a sort of one that was, was willing to connect with you, your response would be mirroring my energy. So it's, for me, it's, it's, it's bringing up so much about just how human beings interact with each other and exist in the world. 
you're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. If, if I said to you, I'm very interested in all that you have to say, and I really want to learn from you, but you saw that my muscles were flexed, my right. legs were locked, you know, I, I was very much bracing for impact, mm-hmm. you know, my- it, it would be very hard to be much different from that. You know, right. we could both try. Uh, but, and that's, that's part of teaching Tai Chi. It's, um, also as a teacher, part of what you, I think you've highlighted maybe the hardest thing, part of what you're learning is how can I not mirror, mirror the bad stuff? You know, that's super tough. You know, the fellow that I practiced with for about 40 years, uh, you know, he's over 90 now he could do it. I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but yeah. working on it, yeah. working on it. But, but that's part of, it's not even, uh, when you come to practice Tai Chi with someone, you're not even looking to be different from another person. You're looking to get feedback from each other right, right away about how am I? Right. How are you? And often you see yourself reflected through another person a whole lot faster than I can see me. Yes, yes because in this example, if I had showed up that way and then you responded back to me in that way, if I'm aware enough, I'm going to make an adjustment and say, oh, that's not going to work. You, you need to soften yourself because this is the experience that, that Mike is having and that's not the experience you're intending, right? And so you adjust from the feedback, which is what you're talking about that that idea of awareness, movement, feedback, transformation, and then you start the loop again. It's a circle. Back to softness. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you talked about Tai Chi um, in a martial arts context. So how is Tai Chi as a martial art different than the other martial arts? Well, the textbook answer would be it holds yin and yang together. Uh, so it's not a, uh, by contrast, a hard style martial art would be more of what you see in a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, it's, it's very much flexing and bracing and uh, rapid, often disconnected movements. Uh, it's meeting force with opposing force and overwhelming your opponent. They go down, you kick them. And then you kick them again, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think in the Karate Kid, it was that hard style martial art that was in a, in a bit made fun of. Uh, but wonderful aspects of practice for discipline and accomplishment. And, it, you know, there are good things in, in, in all of these practices. Uh, I think the good and the bad is determined by how we are as humans in the middle of whatever we're doing. And then you have soft style martial arts or, or soft style arts, which uh, might be uh, just more focused on literally softness. Uh, and then you have uh, Tai Chi coming in the middle where uh, every line is turned into a circle. Uh, you're always using exactly the energy that's given you. So whether that's from the floor or the wall or the ground or the air or from the the person or people that you're working with, uh, you're giving exactly what's given. You're returning exactly what's given in a circle. Every line is never a meeting force with opposing force, but 
if there's a very strong force that's given to you, you're learning how to transform that from a line into a circle. There's a very soft, gentle force, you know, that's given you, you're, you're working with that. So, uh, my experience with Tai Chi is it's an all of it martial art, much more than what I experienced when I was say learning Taekwondo or karate or Gang Fu. Um, I got great things and had wonderful experiences in, in, uh, virtually everything that I was connected with. But I would say for me, carrying this forward over the course of decades, and then looking ahead at another set of decades, I hope coming up, uh, Tai Chi for me is the most all encompassing, the most sustainable for practice. So what would you say is Tai Chi's role in in health and longevity. So you've talked about the martial arts component, but there is this other piece that it's, it is medicine for healing. Right. So, uh, forming a healing connection with yourself is the other branch that Tai Chi took. Uh, so coming out of Qigong, there was the martial applications of Tai Chi developed and uh, the practice that you see all the people in the field going through, those are a set of martial movements practiced slowly. So they become habitual, uh, and in a, in a sequence that sometimes might be what happens in, in, uh, real life, although real life tends to throw some curveballs. So <laughs> you know. just a few, uh, so there's that. And then also the same foundation. It's making a good connection with yourself so that I'm a whole body. I'm a whole body in harmony. I'm a whole body that moves as a whole body in harmony. Mm -hmm. When I touch something, I'm not touching it with my hand. I'm bringing my whole self into connection. And maybe my hand gets there first, or maybe an elbow, or maybe a, another part or a knee or you know something. And all of that is applied in a martial context with, with Tai Chi. And then those same foundations, those same concepts and constants are applied when I'm making physical connections with myself. So if I'm, I'm rolling through some of the Qigong practices, for example, and I'm connecting with different meridians, I'm never connecting with a, a set of, it's as if my fingers are a set of tools that are coming from somewhere else and, and coming down to do something to that part that needs help. It's always much more, well, how can I get all of me to be one all of me? And the connections I make are, are whole body, whole self connections. You learn that to do that. You learn to do that with yourself. And then it gets more complicated when another person is there. Because even more than wanting to help yourself, oh boy, you want to help that other person mm -hmm. or those other people. So it's very hard not to then take the knowledge and the techniques and wisdoms and, and practices and, and do them to someone. But that's a line, a line that has an endpoint. And so part of the point of Qigong and Tai Chi practice is continually be in these circles with how, how you connect with yourself, uh, circles around and is the same as how you connect with other people one at a time or many at a time. And there are a few uh, techniques that are specific when you bring in a martial or a healing context, but 90% of it, probably more than 90% of it is in these constants for how do you make 
good connections as a whole you in harmony. And rather than do something to someone in a line when you're trying to heal them, create a circular exchange that helps people, just like in Marshall, helps people learn about themselves, hear themselves, and be able to respond to what they're learning and hearing mm -hmm. in a way that's not in the way and that helps when they need help. Yeah. Because the, the, the data is there too. I mean, I know a lot of my listeners, you know, they want the science and what's the data. And I know you've been very involved in some of that in mind body medicine. And so, you know, a couple things that you could tell us about sort of the science of how Tai Chi creates healing and longevity. I mean, we've talked about the theory, which is very real, but beyond that. Sure. So, uh, those studies have been difficult to run, as you know, mm -hmm. um, just like studies on yoga. Uh, but also, as you've said, the, the results have been very strongly positive, much more so than, than for yoga. Uh, in part, I think because studying yoga is like studying the effects of eating food on human beings. Right. There's so much variety and right. it matters. And often the scientists don't know this because they're not subject matter experts. Right. So they get confused by, uh, by the noise in the data, but that's because what they're studying has so much variation within it. Well, maybe with Qigong and Tai Chi, it's still human beings practicing all this. So there's still variation, but not as much. So that's a part of, uh, of what's going on in the studies of Qigong being so strongly positive. And then the how, you mentioned the relaxation response earlier. So I know, you know who Dr. Herbert Benson is. And I got to study with him uh, back when he was uh, coming through Harvard a long time ago. And in many ways that, that uh, uh, kept this ball rolling for me. There seems at the very beginning to be something to uh, being soft enough rather than rigid that you can hear what there is to hear and move with what there is to move with, both inside of you and around you. There seems to be something about taking these very long moving breaths, breaths that move you, breaths that help you to feel and respond, and then exhales that respond, that make it easier to be here, that transform here before you even worry about bringing in the larger movements and the larger practices. There seems to be something to this kind of breathing in a deep, relationship between your breath and your body. And the data is there for that too. If, if I just take deep breaths while holding the rest of me rigid, that doesn't work so well. Right. So, you know, and, and I've done those practices too. Uh, and again, that's, that's where Qigong and Tai Chi are so powerful. That's not in that practice. Disconnection is not in these practices. So uh, just to begin, I, I think practicing this softness and relationship between your body and your breath in a way that makes it easy, that's simple enough and everyday enough that it doesn't become separate from the rest of life. Because whatever we do, right. if I have five minutes for Tai Chi or 30 minutes for yoga, if that becomes just my five minutes and 30 minutes, and then I go about the rest and I hope that there's some residual good feeling, right. that's not anywhere near right. what it could be if I breathe in that relationship when I'm getting around the kitchen 
or when I'm driving, there's actually, there's a way to have uh, that breathing and moving relationship from your center and using your whole body in connection with the steering wheel and seat of your car. Mm -hmm. You'll have a very different relationship with your car by the end of that. It can actually be a healing experience. And so that's a beauty that I think exists, especially in Qigong, where it's so simple. There's not a big memorization burden. There's not a big complex learning burden to get started. It's so every day that it can't help but be every day. Right, right. And so this comes back sort of full circle to what I really had started this conversation with, which is this idea of movement as medicine. And what you're describing is this way of being within yourself in your physical form, but even energetically and spiritually, but not just in that five minute, you know, practice of Tai Chi, but in how you are existing in your life 24 seven, right? And that's, that's the medicine in, in Tai Chi that you're talking about, which is profound and beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of blown away and I don't even know what to say. Whew, that was great. I mean, we're going to, we're, we're going to transition to talking to Tara now, and then hopefully come back with both of you to talk about sort of your unique approach to bringing Tai Chi, the worlds of Tai Chi and yoga together in this very accessible way to so many people that is just, um, really, really beautiful and really, really healing. So thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember... With the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.